0: He him of me every single time he ever did he want me to go off
1: the track? No! To me in the I sadly regret to inform everybody here that it is not coming home. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. <laughs> have
0: done it,
1: mate. I can't you. you are the world! Good evening, everybody. Welcome to episode 152 of Motorsport 101. I'm your totally not salty lead host, Andre Harrison. And welcome to my inevitable demise. <laughs> Joining me if in the next hour and a half of suffering <laughs> is Mr. Ryan King. Hello, sir.
0: Yep, here. This is the second, no, no, third time I've been disappointed by Germany so far this summer.
1: Ah, <laughs> There's, 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 a there's a list. There's a list. There's a list. There's a list. It's not good. It's like Germany's World Cup. Mesut Ozil and now Sebastian Vettel shits the bed at Hockenheim. Great, Mesut, you can be yours now. That's yeah. Funny. You do you now. Yes. You, you, you do you, Mesut. You, you're the real MVP. Um, but in the blue corner, as always, representing Tennessee, as always, Mr. RJ O'Connell. Hello, sir. Yes, I I believe we are
2: going to be in 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 for a good time as we break down this German Grand Prix. I am, on on I'm like just to be real. I'm, God, that was that was gutting to actually watch as it happening. Oh my, goodness gracious.
1: Yeah, true story. I was at work watching this Grand Prix with, like, via totally legal sources on my phone, and uh, after I saw Seb in a fence, um, I was pretty much numb, and I didn't say a single word to my cashier for the last hour and a half of my shift. Um, and this was meant to be me celebrating, because I've now got two weeks off work. Um... Oh god! Oh dear! I, I I may need counsel at this rate. It's 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 not been a good weekend, folks. Enjoy it's... your vacation time, though. I'm trying to, okay. I'm just gonna get through this podcast first, then I can forget it ever happened. Because in my mind, this race doesn't already exist. This race is a, is a, basically a figment of RJ's imagination.
2: Damn, damn! This was yeah. I I gotta say though, I I penned this out in like uh in like four hours. I I don't know what just happened. Uh, there was like a rainstorm that came to mind. Mm. Uh, uh, somehow, uh, Brendan Hartley got back in the points. Um, it, it's wild. Yeah, yeah. This, this whole thing, that this whole entire fan fiction that I've completely penned out, which we will now discuss over the next hour and a half of Motorsport 101.
1: <laughs> yep, it, it was a nightmare. <clears throat> it was a terrible incident, and then Annie Raceman came and cheered me up. It was a good time for all involved. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It was a horrible nightmare. Uh, basically, you can find this real quick. We are on YouTube.com at YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101. Again, massive thanks to everybody that's been subscribing. In the weeks since I last talked about this Ferrucci video, it now has 26,000 views. What the hell is wrong with you people? It's absolutely ridiculous. Um, That and on top of that, we have a new preview of episode 151 up on YouTube as well, talking about Laguna Seca returning to the IndyCar calendar for 2019. Subscribe if you haven't already. We're only 46 a nice Valentino number, away from 2,000 subscribers now. So if you haven't already, please give it a little bit of your time. Some exclusive content will be up on there as well in the coming days. Always a fun time. Facebook.com forward slash um, Motorsport 101 for that one. We're on Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101. And if you'd like to follow our handles personally, you can do so. At Harrison101HD, at Ryan Eric King, that's with two Ks. And at RJ O'Connell for RJ's Twitter. And if you really, really like us, you can back us financially on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. $5 gets you early access to both this show and to Bike Live as well. Um, if you guys you haven't seen it already, the, the night we're actually recording this, um, believe it or not, um, episode 69. Nice! delayed we got there in the end of bike live is now live as well cloud 93 it's a review of all the action from the saxon ring in moto gp as mark marquez made it nine poles, nine wins in a row in germany um in dominant fashion ahead of Wait, Valentino Rossi in second? That old man refuses to go away. And Maverick is in third as well. A a fun race for all involved, uh, unless your name's Jorge Lorenzo. Uh, Moto2, Brad Binder getting his first Moto2 victory. Nice one for King there, eh? (laughs) Um... Fun times indeed and Moto3 where Jorge Martin broke the chasing pack and an absolutely loaded news section including movie star leaving the Yamaha team and the World Superbike City season starting to take some shape now as Tom Sykes announces the end of his time at Kawasaki at the end of the season and Yamaha retains both its riders in Alex Lowe's and Michael Vandermark. All that and a whole lot more on Bike Life episode 23 times free <laughs> up now on SoundCloud and where all good shows are available. And don't forget, if you're back at to $10 level, you get access to my Discord server. We're currently building an extension to the Sin Bin as we speak. It's a, it's a fun time for all involved. Unless you're like GearHead, who's listening in right now, who's on floor 419. Not so nice. But uh, I could put this nightmare off no longer. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get into the German Grand Prix. Es nacht oh, My name is Andre Harrison, and I am a recovering battle fan. <laughs> well, let's be real.
0: This race had it all. It had it had team orders and go go. It had the leader going off. It had pit stop blunders. It had it had great racing. It had literally everything under the sun you could possibly want from a Formula One Grand Prix.
1: Yeah, I I openly admit, I I mean, I scored it on the race view schedule, and my point is a 7.5, only because the first half was so relatively tame, but, like, the second half of this race is a 10, easily, it is, it it was an utterly insane second half of the race, again, as King said, it had just about everything you could hope for in a Formula 1 race, um, including the quote unquote major shenanigans, red button being pushed. Um, we'll get to that very shortly, but uh, we'll break down how the weekend played out. Um, seemed to be, you know, pretty usual stuff in practice, um, besides FP3 being, being a very wet FP3, but the track dried out by qualifying in the end anyway. Um, did they, like, you could see what F1 was trying to do because they had they had the track driers out. They were trying to, to dry that place up for qualifying, which I thought was quite funny. Um, so, yeah, qualifying um, was was running pretty standard until Lewis Hamilton backed out of a of a lap in Q1, um, having messed up his turn one exit for some weird reason. He stays on the left hand side of the curb. And next thing you know, he's broken the floor of his car and damaged the hydraulic system. And all of a sudden, Lewis Hamilton is out of qualifying. He've, obviously, he makes Q2, but uh, his session, his, his running on Saturday was effectively over to the shock and horror of everyone on the internet. Um, <laughs> I mean, Kig, like, is that an unforced error by Lewis Hamilton? Because it kind of seems that way.
0: Yeah, it kind of seems that way, and like post qualifying, it seemed like there was a massive argument: was his hydraulic system broken before he hit the curb, or was it broken after he hit the curb? It, it literally yes. became a chicken and the, I like a chicken and the egg argument over Twitter yeah. across all of F one.
1: I saw Merck's people arguing it. I saw Karun Chanhock arguing it on his Twitter. um, t- like there was like because you know what F1 fans are like we love to apportion blame to things um, and it was like was it Lewis's fault? Nah, couldn't possibly be his fault. No, it's definitely his fault or something. But uh, yeah, like iconic scenes of Lewis Hamilton trying to push his stricken car back to the pit lane like it's Nigel Mansell back in the like in the late eighties again, which I thought was quite cool. Um, sad but very cool. And then he finally gives up on the side of the road and basically you know lefts on the halo and you know but
2: unlike nigel mansell he does not pass out
1: and bonk his head on the tire (laughs) he's very fit these days Lewis. he's very fit um but yeah that was the big shocker in qualifying effectively um lewis hamilton making q2 but not being able to run any further so lewis was forced to start the race from 14th on the grid um uh, apparently according to Gear and Discord, he says hydraulics went before the kerb hop. Kerb hop was the was like basically the aftermath of it, was the effect and not the cause. So you know, read into that what you will. Um, but yes, yeah. um, we got to Q three in the end. Um, it looked pretty straightforward for Valtteri. He even improved on his second lap, even though it looked like his second lap was dead in the water. But then he pulled out a third sector from the gods. To all of a sudden, just like take pole position for about twenty seconds, it was it was actually in real time pretty epic to watch. Um, he was about a tenth and a half down into the final sector. He, he ends up like finishing two tenths up. It was uh, amazing to say the least. But then Sebastian, about twenty seconds further back down the road, was half a second quicker than anything that had come before it through the first two sectors, and despite a pretty sloppy third sector, still. Uh, set his 55th career pole position, and only the second time he's ever qualified in Hockenheim on pole position. A track where he had only led three total laps going into this race. Yeah, it's it's, it's not like it's a bogey circuit or anything. Um, <laughs> yep, yeah, he was on pole ahead of Valtteri Bottas once again, and Kimi Räikkönen in third. Um <sighs> As mentioned, the first half of this race itself was pretty quiet by F1 standards. Um, Not standard, even. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, Sebastian got away pretty cleanly. Reichard, like Verstappen, tried a couple of pass attempts on uh, Kimi in the opening lap. Couldn't find a way around him. Um, Vettel pulls out about a three and a half, four second lead before the first round, the pit stops. Kimi Räikkönen comes in early, um, as Lewis Hamilton was basically moving up the field once again, like Moses Part in the Red Sea. Um, <laughs> he started as mentioned from 14th place and was running p6 after about 11 laps um he's very good at this whole driving thing lewis um it's kind of annoying because like a lot of the cars he was racing against didn't even try to defend position uh, shout outs to fernando alonso who was just like you got out of the way seeing fernando, he was just like i'm good it was like you know what sod this it is like I don't know if anyone here's ever seen it, but if anyone's ever seen Valencia 2015 in MotoGP, the race after Rossi kicked out Marquez, like, the time when he's Rossi's trying to come up through the back of the field, Danilo Petrucci sees him, and he literally pulls to one side to let Valentino <laughs> past. That was exactly what it was like. There's a lot of bike Yeah, if I compare it to, like...
0: <laughs> Yeah, if I had to compare it to something else, like, if you've seen a John Boyes video, he's talked about it before, but, like, the base is empty, intentional walk. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, God,
1: yeah. Are you,
2: the worst that can happen is a solo one run. Are you really that scared? Yeah. Well, it turns out many people were scared of the approaching number 44 Silver Arrows.
1: Yeah, everybody just got out of the. Like, it's. Like, as we mentioned this last time out. Like,. like F1 media and Twitter fans, okay? And I'm dr- I'm talking about Lewis Hamilton's performance as a whole here as well, a little bit on top of this. Getting, like, passing through the field is not what it used to be when the Mercedes is a second and a half a lap faster than anything outside of the Big Four. Like, and I'm I'm very tentatively throwing Renault in there because they're the best of a bad bunch right now. <laughs>
2: but they still couldn't lap in the in the 118s. Like um like I defer to uh, to counselor Sam Collins, instead of front of the show. Um the the big three were all lapping in the 118s. Everybody else was stuck in the 120s throughout most of the race. So what are we really talking about? Insane.
1: here? <laughs> yeah, they were literally in another class. Welcome this week to this week's round the Formula 1.5. <laughs> Let's look at the LMP2 class. <laughs> <laughs> That's what this was. Because again, like my lap eleven, I think Lewis was running in sixth. Um, and I have to say, brilliant strategy call from Ferrari to put Kimi Raikkonen in, um, in early for his first stop. Um, many people were hinting at the fact that. Uh, he may be two-stopping. They left the door open for a potential two-stopper. They did predict that rain was coming, but we weren't thinking about rain because it never rains in F1. Um, right, right. Fellas, fellas,
2: if, if she if she tells you that rain is coming in 15 minutes, it means she does not want to put out because that's what happened <laughs> in the one. If it says rain is happening in 15 minutes, there is no moisture in the air whatsoever. None,
1: none. None, none in the slightest. It's not happening, people. So... Like, Kimi Räikkönen is actually on fire here at this point. Like, Räikkönen was sitting fastest lap after fastest lap. His pace was excellent in the early goings. Sebastian is usually just keeping his gap and managing his ultra-soft tyres um, and waiting for a one-stopper a little bit, which is obviously the fastest strategy a little bit later on in the race. Remember that it becomes important later. Vettel eventually stops, he's covered off Valtteri successfully, and now he's closing in on Kimi Räikkönen, whose whose tires are 11 laps older at this point. Now, it doesn't take long for Sebastian to get into Kimi Räikkönen's dirty air range, and Vettel starts complaining on the radio that, you know, he's just burning up his tires, they're getting too hot, you know, just running in the dirty air of Kimi Räikkönen, and, and... We all know what the implications of this was. It seemed like a team order's call was what was being asked for here. And about five laps later, we heard it on Kimi Räikkönen. Kimi Räikkönen had known the jig was up here at this point. (laughs) And Räikkönen just said this thing. Props to him for just To to sum up the radio message,
0: it was basically... uh, the race engineer saying, "Kimmy, Vettel's on a different strategy than you. He's gonna stop at a different lap. Could you like not hold him up, please?" And Kimmy's like, "Yeah, if you wanted me to just do it, just tell me to do
1: it." <laughs> Kimmy, do, Kimmy, I know Kimmy's a good boy. Like I, 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 have, I have to rate Kimmy. He is a proper team player. Um, like he, 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 knew what was yeah. coming. He asked straight up, "Do you want me to move a move over for him?" They did. Vettel takes the lead of the race again, and the internet l- goes... At this point, <laughs> given the way this weekend has already played out with Hamilton's car in a ditch on Saturday afternoon, this was basically the internet going Super Saiyan right here with rage that Ferrari has once again pulled the team order strategy <laughs> um, <laughs> out of their asses again. Vettel takes the lead, he, and given his pace, given he cleared off from Kimi Räikkönen very quickly... It showed, at least in my opinion, Ferrari did make the right call in telling Kimi to move aside, basically on this one. But by the way, basically they were just like they were trying to be coy about it. Like, dude, it's not
2: 2010. <coughs> uh, there's no, there's no ban. There's no like quote Team unquote, ban on it. You don't have to, you don't have to code it anymore. Just tell him like, Kimi, get the hell out of the way. That's what Alan Perman yep. did. Team orders <laughs> yeah. are
1: now legal in F1. For the record, in case you've forgotten.
2: You may not have to like them, but they are, but they but they're legal. And sometimes they are beneficial. Yep. And in the case of Sebastian Vettel, they were very beneficial
1: because he was
0: clear up.
1: Yep. Clearly the right decision in this context. And I, people were, people were poking at me on Twitter when that was happening. I was like, Dre, we've got something to say here. And I was like, I said in response, team orders are a necessary evil whether you like it or not. Yeah. And and like the vindication in that was Vettel's pace as soon as he got free. Again, it was several seconds faster than Kimi over the next few laps. Um, and he was back to generating a buffer again as Valtteri was reeling him in for f- in in what well, ended up being the fight for second. And then, uh, well, well, one more thing I want to get in there first. Lewis Hamilton changes. He, he started the race on the soft compound tire compared to the ultrasofts. The others had started the race on. Poor Daniel Ricciardo, who had started on mediums at this point, was out with another technical problem. Um, for those keeping score at home, yeah. Daniel Ricciardo has now had a fifty percent technical retirement rate in the last twenty races. Ten DNFs. Whoa, whoa, whoa,
2: <sighs> now hold on, hold on one second though, because this requires a rewind. Because Daniel Ricciardo. Uh, decided he was going to start this race last because Red Bull changed out pretty much all the components of his power unit before the start of the weekend. So that's why he started from the back.
1: And then after changing all of that stuff,
2: everything just
1: fucked. Oh, Jesus Christ. Not again. Like, for anyone that wants to make out the claim here that Lewis Hamilton is the unluckiest driver in F1, I present to you the man with 10 technical DNFs in his last 20 races, Daniel Ricciardo. I can say without
2: any hint of irony whatsoever, I think he might be very, very happy that Red Bull is coming to is coming joining forces with Honda because it might actually be a more reliable package. That's not that's said with no hint of
1: irony or sarcasm whatsoever. Indeed, Um, poor Daniel Ricciardo. As a result of this one, he sunk back to fifth in the drivers' championship, and he's only. One point ahead now of Max Verstappen, who was having that awful, wretched start to the year. Verstappen's now reeled him in and is only a point behind him. More on the Drivers' Championship in a bit. But as mentioned, Hamilton started on the soft tyre, he put on the ultrasofts for the for the ending stint, and he was a Exocet missile. Um, it was, again, purple yeah. sectors for days. Remember that. It becomes very important later. Um, so, we, Though...
0: Uh, one, one also tangent during this, you know, stint of, you know, uh, stint of pit stops where it, it seemed like it was starting to get moist out. Yeah. Like w- and, uh, Pierre Gasly, uh, Toro Rosso decided to take a gamble on Pierre Gasly because for some reason Toro Rosso thought it was dripping like a like a water fountain and put him out there on full wet. Yeah, the
1: rain comes down with about 15 laps to go, um, and well, about 18 laps to go, and yeah, Toro Rosso gamble with Gasly on full wet. Um, <laughs> like 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 clearly the rest of the F1 field is playing checkers while Pierre Gasly and Toro Rosso <laughs> are playing chess. <laughs>
0: Four DJs, <laughs> galaxy.
1: Uh, all right, it's like small brain.
2: There's only rain at turn sits because that's basically where it's falling. Let's stay on dry tires and uh, make sure to keep tidy on turn sits. Uh, big brain, let's come in for intermediates uh, because it's very wet turn sits and may rain around the rest of the track. Galaxy brain, full wet tires. Come in this all last or, year. or Nothing. A
1: monsoon is coming to Hockenheim. <laughs> amazingly, and this Whoa. may shock you God. it didn't work and for the first time, I think in <laughs> F1 history as Jason Poland points out in the Discord every brand of tyre that Pirelli had brought to the weekend at this point was on track at the same time because Charles... Had- because Charles Leclerc and Fernando Alonso had also gambled with early stops on the intermediate tyre. And it
2: didn't work for them nope, either. No, they were,
1: they were about 10 seconds a lap slower on their overheating intermediate tyre because it just wasn't raining enough yet. Not for another five laps or so. Um, shout out to Pierre Gasly who posted the hilarious picture of, on Twitter of Gasly after the race saying how it felt yesterday (laughs) on full wets it's a picture of a man in scuba gear in a desert. Um, Kind of says it already, doesn't it? Um, Like, how could you possibly argue with that? Um, So, five laps later, it's lap 52. Sebastian Vettel has got a comfortable eight-second lead. Valtteri Bottas is somehow in the carnage past Kimi Raikkonen for second place. Lewis Hamilton is driving like like a man possessed in fourth Taking it about a second and a half a lap out of Seb's lead. There's 12 laps to go, and next thing you know, Seb locks up into the stadium section and... hits the wall. Clunk. A very minor mistake, oh. really oh. punished. Um... To-
0: Dude, you never want to go full Monaco '88. Never go full Monaco '88. I have not seen a German sporting favorite
2: get sent home so emphatically since it came off the foot of Fabio Grosso in 2006. Dre, <laughs> 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 I am so sorry. I, I watched that. I watched that with my dad, and we both just could not. Believe what happened. Like I happened. said, I
1: was I, I was, was numb. His. That was his race. That was that was a golden chance to punish Hamilton for his for his error slash non error in qualifying. That could have taken some good points going into Hungary. It's another strong Sebastian round. He's done well there in the past. Um, he's actually currently bookies' favourite to win that race this weekend. funnily enough, um, but no. <sighs> So this is the part where everyone looks to me in the corner for something rousing to say regarding this incident, and I, I was devastated. I can't lie. Um, I was numb. I was, I was completely like again. I was, I was at work at the time. Um, I didn't say a word to my cashier for like an hour and a half. I was just completely blank. I could not believe that that had happened. Seb has barely put a foot wrong all season. Like the probably the biggest error he's made was going for the win at Baku on Valtteri Bottas and ended up dropping to fourth that's about as big an error as he's made all year and uh yeah it wasn't a big mistake it was a minor lockup up into the stadium section and it's the soul of corner where there's practically no runoff it's straight onto gravel the wall's very close if you get it wrong there you will beach it and that's exactly what happened and uh Shout out to DHL who took the piss on their Motorsports Twitter page, um, saying, you know, Oh, look, it's Ferrari sponsored by UPS, and look what happens to it. Ends up crashing into the DHL wall. I'd like to remind DHL that they sponsor Ryan Hunter Ray's car, because he's been full of good luck recently in IndyCar, right? Right? Whoa,
0: whoa, whoa. DHL has been nothing but kind to me.
1: Yeah, tough. Oh, shit. What a single <laughs> fuck was given from me this day. <laughs> cheeky bastards <laughs> you could hear it on the radio he was in tears after he, after the incident he was he was crying when he got out of the car he, he could not believe what had happened um he was super apologetic he knew what this meant you know he was very mature about it in the press conference afterwards when he was t- chatting to buxton and, and the crew he just said it was a silly mistake and It'll much much in- more polite
2: than other people were to Billy, but- to Billy
1: Butts. <laughs> yes. Shoutouts
2: to Max Verstappen and or a Timo, I believe, is a clock for flipping him off off camera and the post race paddock pass.
1: Beautiful, <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, got it. To say the least, it is it is safe to say I was gutted on that one. So much so I didn't even want to take the piss out of the rampage in Hamilton fans who was laughing at me on Twitter. If you're one of those people, I sincerely hope you snag your ballsack in your jeans the next time you put them on. Um, i because I'm petty like that. Um, like I, I just want I, I got I've got to take a tangent here for just two seconds. Forgive me, fellas. but um. This was one of the worst weekends I've ever seen for fan interactions on Twitter and for the way the fans were reacting during the race weekend itself. I heard a loud, audible cheer from the Verstappen pocket of fans when Vettel had put it in the wall. That was disgraceful, uh, in my humble opinion, and I... I like the toxicity between the Hamilton fan base and the Vettel fan base is getting way out of hand like it is bad and then, don't get me wrong this was the sort of weekend where it was going to go crazy because of the fluctuation of luck over the course of the weekend Hamilton obviously having the error in qualifying and then obviously Seb having the error during the race and like the two, like I follow a lot, like, inevitably, I'm going to get a lot of Hamilton fans on my Twitter who only seem to pipe up when he's under criticism for something. It's always funny how that works. <laughs> and the Vettel fans who can't help themselves whenever something good happens to him. I know many an example of Vettel of, of fan accounts that go way off the fucking deep end whenever something positive happens to him in a title race, or whenever something never get happens, it's always somebody else's fault. This is my message to both of your fan bases. Cut the fucking bullshit, please, for the love of God. Do you know how lucky we are that we have two of the five or six best drivers of this generation competing against each other head to head? both in teams that have won, you know, let them be themselves, like in the case of Lewis Hamilton. Like, Sebastian has followed his dream in following Schumacher's footsteps in being able to drive his car now going forward and be in the face of the brand he was want, always wanted to be when he was a child. You, you guys don't know how lucky we have it as fans of these two drivers. Lewis is probably the best driver of his generation. Sebastian has been underappreciated in my opinion for years and years and years until this year I think people have only really said okay Seb really is that special because he was a guy that we didn't take seriously because of the Red Bull era like cut the fucking spitefulness okay I get it we want to win and this is coming from me the guy that was trying to denounce Sebastian's title chances right from the start this year and I've fallen into this trap I really want him to win this world title now, more than anything, because it would just be, like, the cherry on top of what's been an incredible career. But please, for the love of God, stop attacking the other fan base. God, it's getting ridiculous, man. It's just... Yeah, bit- it's, it's, it's... It's bitter it's everywhere. It's
0: pretty much it's pretty much becoming football hooliganism and every Grand Prix Sunday might as well be Darby Day at this point. Like, it's not going to stop until, like, a fan gets physically hurt.
1: It's fucking ridiculous. Like, what's it... As you said, what's it going to take? What's it going to take for this to stop happening? Because the amazing thing is that despite the history those two have got... It's amazing that Lewis Hamilton and Sebastian Vettel have nothing but the utmost respect to each other. I distinctively remember one of the first people in the paddock to congratulate Lewis when he got back in Mexico after winning last year's title was Sebastian Vettel. And they gave him a hearty hug and said congratulations and well driven. If their fan bases had half that decency, I'd have a much more enjoyable time watching races on Twitter. Because 95% of the time, it's wonderful it's the 5% that ruin it for fucking everyone on both sides of the fence and it needs to fucking stop i've had enough it is like like after the crash and seeing the reaction to it seeing prominent esports players saying about how priceless that era was guys that are representing the sport on a higher level now tweet with such vitriol i'm just sitting there going was that me 2 years ago and I look at myself and I go, you know what? I can do fucking better than this. And I openly admit a level of hypocrisy here because I've been aggressive like that myself on numerous occasions in the past. But after that one, and it, sometimes it takes something negative like Sebastian putting it in the wall for that to happen. But I looked at that and I was like, was that me? Like It's like that meme of the guy with the butterfly. It's like, <laughs> is, is this F1 Twitter? And it's just like, God, is it really that bad? Yes, it really is that bad. So guys do better treat each other better for fuck's sake
2: it's ridiculous yeah um just uh just just treat it just treat it like an opportunity to shitpost like i did when the rain started happening and i started parroting parroting
1: albert hammond lyrics (laughs) (laughs) oh my god Anyway, <laughs> as a result... of oh, oh, by
2: the way, the race was still not over.
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah, the race was not over. There were still 11 laps to go. The safety car came out to recover Sebastian stricken car. Um, and everybody then changed to intermediate tyres. Um, remember this, it also becomes important because after the race got restarted, Valtteri Bottas has a crack at Lewis Hamilton for what at this point is now the race win. <laughs> after after, after Hamilton's pace got him back out in front of Rijken and after he changed tyres. This was now a fight between the two Mercs for the wins. Valtteri isn't quite able to get it on Lewis. Um, Obviously, the track dries out a little bit. Everyone switched back to ultras again. And Valtteri's told on the radio to hold position. Oh, boy. So after all the Mercedes fans in the one corner was out here throwing Ferrari under the bus for team orders... Merck's pulls the exact same shit, basically. Yeah, half an Ferrari, hour later,
2: Ferrari is the t- Ferrari is the team that invented team orders. Ferrari, the only team that implement team orders in any regard. We are Mercedes. We definitely do not do anything of the sort.
1: Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Yeah, like-
0: though, though I do have to mention something. Uh, back in the thirties, Mercedes was the team that invented team orders. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, Mercedes literally invented team orders. That's a- damn. I didn't know Tyrrell invented team orders back in the
2: '30s. That's a, that's an F1 construction <laughs> <episode laughs> succession joke.
1: Damn. And next thing you know, King will be quoting Rudolf Crashiola again. <sighs> you know, it's really bad when he does that. But uh...
2: I actually I had no problem with this. I mean, yeah, Lewis has a distinct lead over valtteri at this point you could probably argue like oh maybe they should have also gotten a win but with the position that lewis hamilton's in knowing that hey one bad race and this could all swing back the other way you kind of need to maximize this point tally when you can Ugh. it's not what we want to see as uh, as as
1: racing fans but you know if you're thinking long game like
2: yeah, I, I kind of don't yeah. have a problem The
1: Constructors' with argument is the biggest one here. They were set for 43 points, while for I was only going to get 15. Like, it's, it would have been a 28-point string in the Constructors that would have gone away if they hit each other, possibly. Um, I get it i get why they did it i'm not one of these guys that i've never been against team orders i've always said as i said during the race on twitter it's a necessary evil although i will say seeing some of the mercedes fans on twitter's backtrack from fucking space after half an hour before ham and ferrari (laughs) had pulled the exact same shit with team orders was kind of funny i have to admit that um (laughs) but
0: yeah and, and like if you take the whole situation into perspective Say they let them fight each other and they don't touch, uh, Kimmy could have gotten close enough that a potential five second penalty would have dropped Lewis down to third place.
1: Yeah. Raikkonen was still a threat. He was right there, and Raikkonen in his, at least in my opinion, drove really well this weekend. Um, um, and, you know, in the race, I a great pace and could have easily still been a threat. So, yeah, the safest play was Lewis to pull away and get the win. If Valtteri can hold off Kimi, it's a 1-2 finish, which Merckx would have absolutely dreamed of on Saturday night. Like, that, not like, oh, in a month of Sundays. So, I- I'm, I'm pretty
0: sure they would have dreamed about that after, like, the last set of pit stops.
1: <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, more <laughs> on that in a minute. But... Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, it's a pretty straightforward finish after that one. A little bit of craziness from, from Romain Grosjean in the midfield we'll get to as well in a bit. But uh, yeah, Lewis Hamilton wins the German Grand Prix from 14th on the grid. Um, I, 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 the only time in recent times I can remember was Fernando Alonso in Valencia 2012 when he won that race from 11th. I think that's the last time I can think of a guy winning a Grand Prix outside the top 10. Um, in terms of grid position. Yeah, lowest win, as Henry points out, lowest win since Kimi Räikkönen's epic comeback at Japan in 2005. One of the best F1 races I've ever seen. That race is a classic. Go find it if you haven't already. Um, But, well, it was a win. Or so we thought. Um, Dot, dot, dot. There was one more twist in the tale. Lewis Hamilton was called into the steward's office after the podium presentation. There was an investigation into one of his pit stops or wasn't it Base, well, I'll, I'll let King go from here because he, he is our official rules commissioner on the Motorsport 101 podcast so now I present to you a new segment on this show King's Technical Corner
0: you're you're making it sound like it's gonna be like tame and calm, and not me being like really pissed off.
1: Like, all I can see, I can just imagine it now, King. You in like in a dark room in front of a fireplace. Like you've got the you've got the smoking jacket on, a bottle of bourbon poured out. It's a nice, calm, disciplined manner, right? Right? No. <sighs> <sighs>
0: we're we're okay. We 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 have to start at the most natural point where Lewis Lewis and Mercedes get summoned to the stewards office after the race for violating a part of the technical re- regulations saying that you're not allowed to cross the pit entry line. I was going back and forth about this because the wording in the in the international sporting code is actually quite vague. Yeah, it's up it's to interpretation.
1: Yeah. Don't worry guys, it gets way worse from here. <laughs> Oh god. Let's 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 start before
0: the race director even reaches the office where Charlie Whiting to the media says, "I don't know what the penalty is going to be. It could be a reprimand, it could be 5 seconds, it could be 10 seconds."
2: Or it could be behind what's behind <laughs> this door. Is it a zonk? <sighs> oh, it could be a disqualification, it could be an exclusion for the rest of the season, it could be the dunk tank. Hey.
0: But let's this this vaguely worded let's say this this vaguely worded piece of the international sporting code which he was charged for is uh, international sporting code appendix L chapter four article four point D uh, the excerpt is pretty much exclusively about pit entry and it says in case, uh, except in cases of force majeure accepted uh, as such by the stewards, the crossing in any direction of the line separating the pit entry and the track by car entering pit lane is prohibited. Mm. And what, what I kind of saw as vague as that last couple of words by a car entering pit lane. So the article's written in a way that it assumes you're crossing the bollard, like you're crossing after the bollard to dive in the pit lane, which wasn't the case in this situation. It was Lewis, he, he was to the right of the bollard, but just bailed out. And this is not like North American Motorsports where there's a commitment code. What if Once you're inside, you have to stay inside. It's not like that.
2: Imagine, uh, imagine Formula One, the, uh, the pinnacle of motorsport, the most refined and sophisticated, most genius minds, uh, uh have, uh, have much shittier wording on, uh, have less, clear, less clearly defined wording that, you know, those primitive Americans across the pond with their NASCAR and IndyCar and they only know how to make 500 left turns for five hours.
0: <sighs> mm. And Continuing on, like, during the middle of this hearing, just the internet was having their own hearing, where basically, the last time we ran into a situation like this was the 2016 European Grand Prix in Azerbaijan, where Kimi received a five second penalty for breaking the same part of the international sporting code, but not in the same way because it didn't, it was a pit entry line, but it wasn't at the entry because Azerbaijan if you recall uh, where their pit entry is they need to have a pre-entry because they're going like at 200 miles an hour at pit entry mm-hmm.
2: yeah this will be the first uh, this will be the first recollection of the 2016 Baku Grand Prix that does not include the words Lama and clash in it <laughs>
0: <laughs> so uh, uh, in the widely circulated document you know, that gives Kimmy the five-second penalty, they also mentioned that was stated in the event notes that Kimmy couldn't do what he did. And, yes, there's a rule book, there's sporting regulations, everything, but because in motorsport, because each and every track is different, each and every track has its own set of uh, rules or event notes that can change year on year, but it's always posted publicly before the race. And in Kimmy's case, it said... Uh, it basically made it in Baku that there was a commitment code. If you were, if you were, you know, committed to going down pit lane at the start of the line, you had to go down pit lane, or you would receive a pit uh, penalty. Kimi violated that, so it was automatic penalty. But in this case, Lewis had leeway because most of the regulations have leeway in cases where it doesn't seem like it doesn't seem like the 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 infringement was done with malice
1: yeah Uh, and this is where it gets sketchy um because like the stewards um took a look at this case um the the meeting went on for a long time like a good 45 minutes to an hour and uh oh boy um spoiler alert he got to keep the win because Lewis <laughs> broke it to us before anybody else did, Lewis came out of the steward and went straight to the press conference. said, they're not going to take it away from me, etc., etc. Now I will read out to you now what the what the official report says from the stewards. Um, fact: Car forty-four crossed the white line separating the pit entry and the track. Offense: Breach, as, as King mentioned, breach of Appendix L, Chapter Four, Article Four D of the International Sporting Code. Decision a reprimand and the internet goes super saiyan free um (laughs) the reason and this is a long one so bear with me people the stewards reviewed video and audio evidence heard from the driver of car 44 lewis hamilton and the team representative it was clear that there was an infringement on the above mentioned rule the driver clearly crossed the line separating the pit entry from the track It continues. In deciding on the penalty for the infringement, we look into account the following mitigating factors. 1. The driver and the team candidly admitted the mistake and the fact there was confusion within the team as to whether or not to stay out or to enter the pits and that led to the infringement. 2. The fact that the infringement took place during a safety car period. 3. At no time was there any danger to any other competitor and the change in direction was executed in a safe way. Taking all of the above into account, including considering previous infringements of the above rule, we are of the opinion that a reprimand would be the appropriate penalty for the sad infriction on this occasion. The last paragraph is just talking about the right to appeal, so I'll ignore that. But... King... Do I have the right to be absolutely pissed at reason number one? At least, yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, like I, I get, I get the other two reasons, and it's nice that they clarified that it doesn't matter if you, you know, physically enter pit lane if you cross the line any at all. That's definitely against the rules. It's nice mm-hmm. to clarify that, but man. No, that should not be a reason to let anyone off easy. Like, yeah, I definitely did the thing, guys. I'm so sorry. Like, like
1: reason, reason number one is yeah. basically, yeah, we admitted it, and yeah, we didn't know what we were doing. Like, how does that make the situation better? It's the, it's the, it's the guilt. It's like the guilty.
2: That's what bargain. it feels
1: like. It's ridiculous. Re-
2: and even, and I feel like, uh,
1: I even feel like, even mm, like, I. I mm, mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, RJ. <laughs>
2: Yes, I was about to say, like, even, uh, like, uh, it ties back to Dre's point about Phantom Toxicity. Uh, if they have ruled the other way of this, well, that's just the FIA proving that they stand for Ferrari International assistance and they're trying to screw Lewis Hamilton out of the title. Now that it was rolled this way, it's like, "Oh my goodness, the FIA clearly wants Lewis Hamilton to win because that's their that's the driver that they're trying to make win all the time."
1: Yeah, I said it on Twitter at the time. They were damned if they did and they were damned if they didn't. If they if they did punish him, like you base like if they did punish him, you basically mess with a race result after the flag, and no one likes a race that is settled in the <laughs> stewards box. Let's be honest with each other. Nobody <laughs> likes that. If they don't punish him, you're basically letting the guy get away with breaking a hard and fast rule, and people are going to be pissed off about that. This was a lose-lose like, lose situation for the stewards, no question. But
0: even even the thing about the there being confusion on whether the box not is highly questionable because we have we have audio evidence of Peter Boddington screaming in at Lewis, telling him to box.
1: Like and... Reason number one being We didn't know what we were doing Is not a valid reason to suggest A lesser penalty That's total yeah. bullshit
0: Yeah that's like saying You can't plead ignorance You can't say oh I didn't know that was r-. Like they knew it was rule But you can't plead ignorance You can't say that I didn't know what I was doing Because that makes You you're, you still broke the rule anyway
1: Oh shit jury do is today <laughs> <laughs> They, they still like listen they still broke the rule and they knew this was potentially coming because they told Lewis after the safety car came in to push because they said they might be a penalty so they saw it coming they they, they knew there was a possibility this was going to happen and I think Valtteri very cheekily stayed within five seconds just in case um but okay he gets a reprimand like
0: no, I do have to admit, some people kind of, the the last reason a lot of people throw on the bus, I would take it seriously legitimate, saying that it's not as big as a deal because it happened behind the safety car. That's that, fine. That's, that's that, fair.
1: That's fair. That, that is fair. That is fine. No one is going quick. And yes, like he was not an immediate threat to any other car on track, especially with how he re-entered. That's fine. The question on my if, mind is, is that, this could you could easily argue this was another case of inconsistent stewarding because like okay there's no hard and fast rule in the book to say how much of a penalty this should be and I think that's part of the problem because it's yeah, inherently that's getting changed yeah it's it's inherently designed to cause inconsistency because the stewards can give anything from a reprimand to a 10 second penalty for that like this is like it reminds me a lot and bear with me on this one this is another small tangent does anybody here remember the 2016 British Grand Prix? Do you remember what happened with Nico Rosberg in that race? Where Rosberg had a gearbox problem and the new rule about not being able to tell your driver to how to nurse the car home. Yep. That rule came under trial because Mercedes openly broke that rule to keep Nico Rosberg in second place on that on that occasion. The rule was on trial. They gave him a 10 second time penalty and that dropped him down to third behind Max Verstappen and it cost him three points. Now, this is the problem. Like, you have, like, this is what happens when you have new rules. They inherently, and when rules come to trial, they breed inconsistency and that is what's going to piss fans off. Not so much that Hamilton got a reprimand, Like, the punishment itself, I'm fine with. The problem is, is that, if this happens again, are we going to see another reprimand or are we going to get a time penalty like what happened with Kimi
2: Raikkonen? No, we're going to see a time penalty. We're going to see these rules tightened up. I, I feel like we're going to see a commitment cone by the time we get to Hungary in a
0: week. No, I don't think we'll ever see a commitment cone in F1 for this very reason, but I think it's more down to the FIA doesn't see this as being a president. Like, Lewis, technically, like, in their eyes, Still broke the rule. He, he got penalized for breaking the rule with a reprimand.
1: Because, as you know, free reprimands will cause a 10-place grid penalty. Yes. Over the course of the <laughs> technically, it is a punishment because it's basically strike one. So, um, strike two and three comes into play. If you get three in the season... You get a ten. You get a ten place grid penalty, and Hamilton, I believe, had two a couple of years ago. So he he's been a bit of a naughty boy in the past, but never enough to actually draw a big penalty. So this is a punishment. It's not. It's it's a slap on the wrist, basically. And three slaps means you're getting a ten place grid drop. So yes, it is a form of punishment. It's just you know, a race kind of hung on the line here. That's kind of the problem in the context of the race itself it could have easily been swung to Valtteri Bottas getting his first win of the season and that just didn't quite happen when will that fin catch a break for god's sake um but yes the internet finally calmed down and then the heavens opened um my god it was like the rain was (laughs) the rain was so bad it was okay we're red flagging this race and it will not be restarted levels of rain um, it
0: it was so bad that the tunnels that the media, like the media and the crews, have to use to leave the circuit were flooded, so they were stuck.
1: Yeah, Lee McKenzie had yeah. to throw out her shoes. It's a terrible thing.
0: Um, but,
1: uh, yeah, you did not want that
2: level of rain. You wanted some rain. You don't want monsoon. We can't actually race this levels of rain. Yeah, and that's what that was basically... I'm fine with the level of rain where we got for like 30 seconds where everybody was just driving at about 80 kilometers an hour. Yeah. It w- <laughs> like, I was ready to just like, hey, come over and watch this crazy crap-ass driving display. Yeah,
0: basically. I bet somewhere in hospitality, Franz toss was like, damn it! (laughs) This was our
1: moment! (laughs) We could have won! (laughs) God damn it! But, um, yeah, like, the tunnels were flooded, like, if, he, if, he, if he, anyone here subscribed to Nico Rosberg on his YouTube channel, he vlogged the post-race, obviously, outcomes. he was there for Sky Sports and RTL this weekend, and, yeah, he was shin-deep in water, and that was after basically less than an hour's heavy rainfall. It was that deep. It was, uh, it was like I said, it was red flag, and it will not be restarted levels of rain. Um, of course, it happened after the race itself, but, hey, who cares? The second half of the race was completely bonkers. Here's the full result, officially, after that stewards' meeting and whatnot. Um, I'm just going to put it up on me for you right now. Yeah, because Lewis Hamilton takes the win in the end. He got to keep it by four and a half seconds over Valtteri Bottas in second, who somehow still hasn't won a race this season, for God's sake. I'm not even the Finn fan here. King is, and I want him to win a race now, for God's (laughs) sake. Get him a W. He deserves it, for crying out loud. Kimi Räikkönen in third in the end. Probably his best player of the season, in my humble opinion, anyway. Um, His fourth consecutive podium as well for Kimi Räikkönen. So good for him. Um, Nice to see he's in in a good run of form at the moment. Max Verstappen was bearing down on all three of them at the end, but ran out of laps in fourth place in the end. Nika (laughs) Holtkman, what would have happened if he had not switched over to Indrius? Oh boy, that would have been fun. (laughs) That would have been fun. Um, there's, there's a scary thought for you. Um, best of the rest of the world once again goes to Nico Hulkenberg in fifth, matching his best result of the season so far. Um, yeah, in the Formula 1.5 standings, Nico Hulkenberg is doing the Lord's work at the moment. Um, yeah, this Hulk, this Hulk did not need to be controversially reinstated he's already been there if if, if you wanted wanted to look at the Formula 1.5 standings he now has a 34 point lead on Kevin Magnussen in second what that means is if you took the top three teams out of the equation and scored from all the other drivers etc this would be Nico Hulkenberg's fourth win of the season Um, and he'd have a 43 point lead on Kevin Magnussen in second who's eight points ahead of Carlos Sainz in first big thanks to Nipan Shah for tweeting me that by the way much appreciated sir Um, so yeah Hulkenberg once again putting together for a really solid season again it's almost like he's really good at race cars or something maybe a big team should give him a chance I don't know um, anyway, Romain Grosjean in sixth, um, late ultra soft surge from Ro- Romain Grosjean coming through the midfield. Very nice indeed. And a, a gro- Oh my God. Mm. After weeks of mm. like Grosjean trash,
2: Grosjean out of F1. Yeah. He's, uh, all of a sudden he has strung together two top six finishes in those last three races. Yep.
1: Grosjean back, everybody. Grosjean back. Um, ahead of Sergio Perez in the, in the Force India, his teeth. Who spun! Yeah.
2: Who's, Paris spun! Esteban Ocon didn't even make it out of Q1, and that's not the worst of Force India's troubles,
1: as we'll get to in our news segment. Indeed. That was a good, a good week. 7th and 8th for the Force Indias. Um, again, Paris started from 10th, Ocon started from 15th and finished in 8th in the end. Um, a great comeback from him great to see Marcus Eriksson back in the points as well in ninth place um a couple of points there for Sauber his teammate Charles Leclerc went for a pirouette um um down up and past turn one and Oh, beautiful. It it was beautiful. 9.5 from the Russian judge. Um, And, yeah, sadly, he finished the lap down because he was one of the early gamblers who didn't make it work. Unfortunately, he finished today in 15th place. But, yeah, and we we have to give a shout out as well to the unluckiest man in F1 at the moment. Brendan Hartley gets a point for Toro Rosso. Yes!
0: Wagon. Yes. Yes.
2: Um, he he did have a little bit of help because that was originally Carlos' Sainz's position, and then he got ten seconds for overtaking under his safety. Carlos. Command. So now it's Brendan Hartley's tenth place.
1: Carlos, what were you doing, sir? Ugh. Carlos, naughty <laughs> boy. Um, rest of the positions: Kevin Magnuson in eleventh, missed out on a point by half a tenth, basically well, sorry, half a second, I should say. Um, Carlos' Sainz as as mentioned, after the penalty was dropped from tenth to twelfth. Um, Stoffel Van Dorn in 30th. Now, I I have to segue into Stoffel Van Dorn for a little bit here, because, my God, the shitstorm after qualifying, when Stoffel was stone-dead last in 20th place, and it got to a point where even Fernando Alonso admitted, after looking at the data, that it looks like Stoffel's got something fundamentally wrong with his car. Oh, dear. Um, what is going on at McLaren? sit like what the fuck is going on with that team like anyone that knows f1 knows stoffel is better than this like i've seen tweets and yeah. support from people fernando,
2: around f1 fernando alonso fernando alonso may have taken an opportunity to take a dig at kimmy reckon in doing so but he's right stoffel van Duren is a much better driver than he's showing mm-hmm. this year they were about level on points yep. last year.
1: I think I think in the end, I think he only finished four points behind Stoffel in last year's championship. Uh, or what time, Alonso, I should say, in last year's championship. And, for that, and Fernando came on the record and said, he's closer to me than Kimi Raikkonen was in 2014. Now, I'd argue that's not as big a compliment as he likes to think it is, given I've seen that 2014 season. But something is fundamentally wrong with Stoffel here in, in, in this situation, because apparently your seat might be precarious for next year, um, there's a lot of city season rumours regarding that, which again we'll get to in the news segment but, uh, also I want to say as well big shout out to, uh to uh, Henry in the Discord who posted the race lap chart of all the driver's positions um, the midfield looks like, looks like me trying to connect my Xbox on my PS4 to my TV, it's, um <laughs> it's a shit show in there good lord, um it makes Spaghetti look organized. Jesus Christ, that midfield. Um, to say the least, um, not good. Um, it, it's it's crazy, but uh, it, it's it, people are saying that it looks like Stoffel's got a fundamentally fucked chassis by the looks of it, and uh, that could be causing a lot of his problems. Still a solid result in 13th place, but uh, yeah, uh, not good. Not good from Stoffel. Sad times. Pierre Gasly, as mentioned, who had the gamble on the full wet. God bless his heart, um, in 14th, a lap down in the end. Charles Leclerc in 15th place, as mentioned, after the pirouette. Um, And Fernando Alonso, who technically retired, but didn't really. The king of the classified retirement. Fernando Alonso pulled it off to one side uh, with, with with an extra lap to go. Um, It was a lap short of the finish, but again, because of the F1 rules, because he completed over 90% distance, he was technically classed as a finisher. In 16th place, another gearbox problem with the McLaren that caused his DNF. Four retirements up besides that. Lance Stroll, who had another brake failure on lap 53, a lap after Sebastian's shock retirement. Um, As mentioned, Vettel's accident. Sergei Sorokin only made it to lap 51 after an oil leak. Um, And Daniel Ricciardo, who, again, another power unit problem with an engine they had just replaced, of course. Um, Daniel Ricciardo out as well in last place. Championship standings as we go through round 11. So we're now over the halfway mark for this season. Lewis Hamilton now have a 17-point lead. Oh that hurts. That, that 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 stings. Um a 17 point lead on Sebastian Vettel 188 to 171. Kimmy's another 40 points back in third. Well 131. He's nine ahead of Valtteri Bottas in fourth. Daniel Ricciardo drops to fifth on 106 as mentioned. Only one point ahead of his teammate Max Verstappen now on 105. You said a good run of results of Verstappen's put together. Um uh, tr- Kevin uh, Hulkenberg at fifty-two, at seventh line, so still
2: in eighth at forty. Kevin Magnussen ninth at thir- ninth at thirty-nine, and Sergio Perez tenth
1: at thirty. Indeed, going to the constructors real quick. Mercedes um, now back in front of the constructors championship with their one-two finish. They now have an eight-point lead. On Ferrari, who again only scored 15 points to Mercedes 43 this time round, So they're back to second on 302. Red Bull still kind of in no man's land on 211 points. Renault consolidating their fourth with 80 points. And now Force India is only ahead of, of Haas on countback due to that one Checo podium from Azerbaijan. They're both on 59 points, but on the countback rule... Perez is third, Trump's, Carlos Sainz is fourth. So I no, no, Carlos Sainz is fourth. He? No, sorry. Um, it's Romain Grosjean's fourth place, just to say for, for Haas there in sixth place. My apologies. Um, McLaren is, is now in seventh with 48 points. Um, Toro Rosso on 20th in their own battle with the Sauber team. Sauber uh, gained another point on that fight, 20 to 18. Toro Rosso an hour ahead. Um, the one point from Hartley being canceled out by the two from Ericsson in ninth and Williams, Still at the back. A double DNF this weekend due to technical problems. The misery continues. Only four points for them. And, uh... Whew. What a shit show of a race that was. Um, especially in the second half. My God. Um... Like I said, the first half, you can pretty much skip. Everything after S- Sebastian's pit stop is... Utterly insane. Go out of your way to see it. Is, is yeah, what I'm, I'm pretty
0: much i'm pretty sure this might be the race of the year not gonna lie
2: (laughs) oh man it's it's pretty close i'm giving i'm giving this one a solid uh four and a half mario gertza goals against argentina out of five
1: yeah seems about right um (laughs) so yeah Uh, an absolutely crazy race especially in the second half go out of your way to see it and uh yeah Debatable Race of the Year candidate so far, if you ask me. It's up there with Silverstone, um, and probably Baku. Um, to be fair, this season's been pretty good in general, actually. It's kind of annoying that we've had a a handful of pretty good to great races already this year. So, that's always fun. Should we get into the news, fellas? Yes. Um, we
2: have some, uh, we have some very disturbing and very disheartening news coming from, uh, from, a, from Fiat Chrysler, Sergio Marchionne is standing down as CEO of Fiat Chrysler um, due to sudden health concerns. The latest reports is that he is in a deep coma and maybe suffering from a bout of lung cancer. Uh, but his health has suddenly so sharply declined that he's had to stand down from all of his posts, uh, which means there is a new head of Fiat Chrysler and there is a new head of Ferrari as of time of recording.
0: Yeah, it was planned that Sergio Marchionne was going to step down at the end of the year anyway. They already had all those successors planned out, so they're just enacting this plan now instead of at the end of the year.
1: Wow. Um, obviously, our best wishes go out to Sergio on this one. Um, that's an awful bit of news. Um, again, it's the Italian media that's, that's, that's reported Um chance of lung cancer and the fact that's come from the italian media on this one but uh again wish sergio the best um that's uh, that's a that's a cruel blow to the team yeah. and I, I, know they, I know they dedicated the pole position to him after sebastian crossed that line on saturday and uh, yeah just a sudden the last two days really two three days that news has come through so it's um, a very sad one and again he, he came yeah. in for shoulder
2: surgery and now his health has taken like a sudden turn for the worse um, it is Mike Manley, the former global head of the Jeep brand, that's taking over the whole Fiat Chrysler group. Um, who is... I'm, I'm not sure who's taking over Ferrari as a whole.
0: No, he's. it's not cl- exactly clear who's taking over Ferrari at the moment.
2: Goodness. Yeah, that is... It's obviously a mess, and definitely hoping for the best for Sergio. Um, things have gotten strange at Force India. They've been strained for a while, low-key, and now they've gotten even stranger.
1: Yeah. It looks like Force India are about to enter administration. Um, the talk from the German press is that it could be as early as this week, the week of recording. I mean, we're going to be recording this on Monday, July 23rd, so it may have updated by the time this goes out. But uh, it, it's looking like Force India are basically on the brink of, 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 of administration. But on the positive news it looks like there could be a buyer ready to rescue the team almost immediately Um, there is a lot of rumoured talk about who said buyer could be there's talk it could be Michael Andretti who's always kind of wanted an F1 entry but not with the ridiculous cost that comes with it there's a lot of talk it could be another energy drink firm, um, specifically Rise, rather than the Hype Energy team that are currently a major sponsor for the team at the moment, a major sponsor of their esports team as well um because you know the best kind of money is energy drink money (laughs) who doesn't got that these days um and there's another and this is the more juicy one there's rumored talk that one of the buyers is one lawrence stroll i'm sure that surname rings a bell yes it's lance's billionaire daddy owner (laughs) of yes
2: owner of circuit mantra Blanc. great circuit Great. Sir. Um, mm. This might be a good time to segue into uh, into Will Butston's uh, Twitter thread of silly season's rumors, uh, because one other thing is in play is that Renault has an option to uh, to pick up Esteban Ocon for 2019. That's one of the rumors. Let me just go run down the thing. So it goes that. So it basically goes that. Ferrari, Vettel partnered with either Kimi again or, as seeming increasingly likely, now Claire. Renault, it's understood that Ocon is signed, despite being Mercedes driver. The team supposedly wants Alonso back, but right now he's too expensive, huh? Hülkenberg stays. Forcing the F, Ocon goes to seek a girl to stroll. Uh, That tie-up is looking more and more likely. Rumors also link Kubica to join alongside the Canadian, although there is some chatter that Perez may have already recommitted. McLaren, Van Dorn on shaky ground. Signs believe favored alongside Alonso, Perez outside bat. We're kind of cooling off on Lando Norris because that F2 title might not be asserted. Toro Rosso, Red Bull option option on signs runs out at the end of September. If it holds off making a decision, Carlos may be forced to return to SDR alongside Gasly. Ew. Norris rumored to be in running alongside as McLaren as he may not be ready for McLaren yet. N-
1: not Haas, not ready Mag- no, say not ready for McLaren right now is a hell of a statement. <laughs> Haas.
2: Haas, Magnussen seems safe. Perez and signs rumored. Sauber, most coveted seats as it looks like being a proper BD. Huh. Imagine saying that at the start of the game. <laughs> if Leclerc moves on, Ericsson will want to stay. Raikkonen, Perez, signs, Giovinazzi, all rumored. Williams, big unknown. Sorotkin stays. Perez came close to a move a few years back. George Russell, perhaps?
0: Oh uh, my god. And- <laughs> oh, like, oh my god. Like, all
1: of a sudden, like... F1 city season has exploded, but not in the ways you might ex- like, might expect. It looks like it's all based it, around the midfield with the possibility of Kimi Räikkönen still maybe not being retained for next year. It's looking like Daniel Ricciardo is going to stay at Red Bull. There's a lot of heavy press talk that he's, he's going to sign his extension this week between now and Hungary, or certainly because he wants to get it done before the summer break. Um, but it, 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 all this midfield... Well, I'd say...
0: It's not even midfield. It's like just outside of the big three. It-, it feels like how can I position myself the best way on this dumpster fire that I could end up well after this is all said and done? 19 minutes of
2: fireworks are about to go up in 30, <laughs> 30 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> Beautiful. Just, just like the San Diego Big Bay boom of 2012.
0: Uh, but yeah, the start of the year, who would ever believe that, like, yeah, the most desirable scene. Seat in the rest of the field. It's that Salber Alfa Romeo.
1: What year is this? Two thousand two? Is it two thousand twelve again? <laughs> it's
2: it's two thousand twelve all over again.
1: Bring forth Nico Hulkenberg. He's a solid guy. <laughs> oh, Nico Hulkenberg's one of the safe seats right now. That's crazy. Um, oh, Jesus. Um. We
2: have, we have other things that have popped up out of this silly season. Uh, we have track news. Will Smith's Miami is not happening for 2019. God damn it. Ha! Yeah, yeah the uh, the Miami Grand Prix has been pushed back to a projected date of 2020, at which point we will remind you that Port Imperial had been <laughs> pushed
0: back for a number
2: of years. Uh, and uh, it, it still might happen. Just give it some time.
0: Let's give it some time. I'd say the only reason I'd put this at better odds than Port Imperial is that, that Liberty Media themselves are putting money into this. It's not like the, like Miami-Dade County have to come up with the money themselves and organize it yeah, themselves. Yeah,
2: that's, the, that's the thing. They want this to happen really, really bad. Yeah. And they've also reconfigured the track again.
0: Oh. Yeah, the, I mean, the reconfig looks pretty co- good. It's, it's an improvement. <laughs> it doesn't
2: it doesn't look like it's um you know um you know you know like that bridge section doesn't look like you know it's uh it's ready it's it's uh, ready and uh it's ready and wanting it doesn't know, it no subscribe.
0: longer looks like Avis on the sea anymore <laughs>
2: uh and uh also we have uh Assen might be coming back to the cow no
0: the
2: <laughs> <Runway>. <laughs> no uh, dre has very strong opinions about formula one coming to Asin no
1: for the oh, fuck no um no 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 a million times no if f1 goes to Assen, i will boycott in the season I am not doing this. You do not ruin one of the headline bike circuits on the planet and basically the mecca of bike racing today. We are not having you butcher, Assen. Okay? Fuck no. We're not doing this.
0: I have some good news. Well, good news for Dre. Bad news for, like, everyone else.
1: (laughs) Oh, no. What a shame. (sighs)
0: So, with... Pretty much, like, the only thing that needs to be changed for, like, Aston to get grade one status is mainly facilities. The circuit would be largely untouched. Only thing is, for those who are, who were fans of, like, end of the line period champ car, knows what an open wheel race at Aston looks like. And it is not good. (laughs)
2: Not just less overtake, taking opportunities, but
1: <laughs> no overtaking. Overtake. None. There would not be a single long <laughs> track Like the longest straight Aston's got is like 400 meters. No chance. That would be even worse than Hungary. No way. You cannot do that again. Okay, Henry just pointed out in the in Discord server the longest straight is 300 meters. 300. <laughs>
2: Also, we're well, also, I believe, we are referring to the Hungarian Grand Prix by its Christian name, the Magyar Nagydíj. I'm,
1: I'm Magyar sorry, the ex just entered this Discord server. Hey,
0: Dre, Dre, ju- just to add to the confusion, when Champ Car raced at Assen, it was the Bavaria Grand Prix.
1: <sighs> <laughs> less said about that, the better. <laughs> uh.
0: I'm not even gonna explain it. A- everyone listening, you have to look up why it was called the Bavaria Grand Prix. I'm not explaining it. <laughs>
2: um, um, all that leaves is the much, <laughs> uh, the much tamer news of uh, oh yeah. Also, both Mercedes drivers resigned, and Daniel Ricciardo was close to coming back to Yay! Red Bull for 2019. <laughs> um, we have we have larger rims now in F1. Dog, we're putting 18s on these. Whoop whoop!
1: eighteen-inch
2: rims are coming. Sorry, to first F1. it was
1: XMG, and now Exhibit has entered the Discord server. <laughs> Yo, dog! I heard you
2: liked low-profile tires, so we bumped the the rim size from fifteen inches to eighteen inches, so that Michelin might debate. Whoa, 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 whoa!
0: Fifteens? Cool. We're running thirteens, my yeah, friends. <laughs> yeah, Indy IndyCar right now is running fifteens.
1: Indy because out here pimping <laughs> So see so, so he see right here is popping RJ's corner
0: Oh dear but that that's that's only say. that's only the starter to get in here um also besides going to 18s no more tire blankets
2: Oh shit yeah and this of course is going to mean like they're going to have to rework the suspension bits because of the larger wheel size and because of the low profile tires uh, and uh whoo no tire warmers as part of f1 that's gonna be interesting that's good that's gonna make starting that's gonna make race starts and uh
1: outlaps after pit stops
0: really we're gonna get fun. a lot of
1: indy car shit yeah. basically like robert, like robert wickens <laughs> might get plowed into the back by simon Pagano again it's like we had a toronto
0: pretty much <laughs> so pretty much someone's like what what's making that indy car and that formula 2 real entertaining we need
1: to do more of that <laughs> what stalling the engine um, <laughs> rolling starts no <laughs> but apparently Michelin is now interested in a comeback if F1 goes to 18 inch rims um, it's coming it's, home it's, it's coming home the French are coming back and uh, Ferrari are going to be the rebels they're going to run Pirelli everybody else worth of them is going to be on Michelin it's 2004 again god damn it it's 2004 <laughs> fun times for all involved I, I I yeah. don't think we're going to get
2: a tire war out of this. I think no. we might get a change of tire supplier in the long run. But again, that's uh, that's proposed for 2021, and that still feels like it's ages away.
0: Yeah, it's 2020. I don't know what Michelin's going to be like down the road, but right now Michelin are not about high degradation. Like, Formula E acts for that. They are like, if you want us in the series, we're going to have no degradation. We're going to have an all-weather tire. Like, I'm pretty sure it's required that Formula E teams have to run this, a single set of tires for the entire race day, which is, you know, practice, qualifying and the race.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. So, hey, Michelin could be coming back. More on that if that rocks up.
0: Michelin out here living it living like it's the year 2005.
1: Indeed. Um
2: <laughs> 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 I'm just gonna. I'm just
1: gonna walk <clears throat> <this>. Ooh, <clears throat> so my bad. Um, wonder what that was about. Um, but uh, just before we go, real quick as well, predictions for hungry people.
0: Oh God! Sebastian
1: Vettel currently bookies' favourite huh? at two to one. Amazingly.
2: Yeah, but yeah, but Hungary is also Hamilton country. I have no idea. Yeah, but the, the, the
1: Red Bulls have come all the way in from like eight to like. 100 to 30 for Max Verstappen as third favorite.
2: Yeah, you're right because yeah, because uh because there's races that Red Bull will contend on. It's tracks where you don't need a lot of power in Hungary fits. So, it's like it's are we going
1: to get Christian Horner complaining about how much time they lose on the straights again? Like
2: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we're losing <laughs> about like, you know,
1: 1, 1. 1.5 maybe 1.6 <laughs> seconds down the straights. Um so we've got to we we've, we've got to run these really skinny wings to, you know, to to compensate for that and you know, maybe we'll challenge for the win this weekend, who knows. But,
2: I just want more Cyril Abitable on the on the radio with like his deep and very thick yes. French accent. That <laughs> oh, it's it's wonderful.
1: Yeah, it's that's going to be when it's like you couldn't make out what he was saying half the time. And it's like, yep, thanks Cyril. Um, also, shout out to Christian Horner for basically giving Simon Lazenby the, the crotch grab prank after um, after Saturday in qualifying. Christian Horner is a, is a lad. What a boy. Um, Doing what most fans have wanted for him to, to have and Simon Lazy for quite some time. Um, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. So uh,
0: quick prediction, Hungry, Anyone in a big three car can win. Yay!
2: <laughs> Excitement. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and if something goes really sideways, anyone outside the big three can get on the Stop podium. It.
0: Stop it. Maybe. Stop Maybe. There just needs to be like collisions.
1: Somebody fire up the random number generator. We'll get we'll get a hold of this. Like <laughs> Sergio Perez has run is on has finished in third again. Um how does he keep doing that?
0: <laughs> it's like, oh Sergio Perez scores a podium the same day for India files for administration.
1: Sigh. But uh But that will just about do it for this week's episode of Motorsport 101, episode 152. Um, If you can find us one more time, we're on YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101, Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101. Our personal handles at Harrison 101 HD, at RJ O'Connell and at Ryan Eric King. Um, And if you really like us, you can back us on Patreon, patreon patreon.com forward slash Motorsport 101. $5 gets you both early access to both this show and to Bike Live. Episode 70 will be out later this weekend with me and Lewis, as always, breaking down all the action from another British superbike round that brands hatch as Josh Brooks became the king of brands by taking a supreme double win over there and a preview to what I think is now the biggest bike race in all of motorsport now, the Suzuka 8 Hours this weekend. Um, absolutely stacked um, field from, it's, ba- I said it before, it's basically the all-star game of bike races now. Kawasaki, Jonathan Ray, Leon Haslam, Bradley Ray, Sylvain Gintoli on a Suzuki, um, PJ Jacobson filling in for Leon Kamiya on the Honda team as well. The Yamaha bringing both their world team, but big guns, Alex Lowe's and Michael Vandermark both are going to be there as well. Um, whew, it's going to be an absolutely stacked uh, race. It's going to be on Saturday morning, I think Saturday slash Sunday morning. I think it's about 3.15 in the morning for you European fans out there. On It's all going to be live on British Eurosport 2. Julian Ryders commentating as well. That alone is worth the price of admission. So we'll be previewing all of that um, going into episode 70 later this week. We'll be back for episode 153. For, well, what could be a doubleheader week? Who knows? We'll have, see, we'll have to see what happens in Hungary. Episode 153, the Hungarian Grand Prix. The last F1 race before the summer break. And IndyCar is back as well. I've forgotten where they're racing. Somebody fill me in. Mid-Ohio. Oh, God, it's Dixieland. God damn it. Um, <laughs> that's the last thing we needed.
2: OHH. wait i know. also pietro back <laughs> yeah pietro back
1: pitch for the coming back that should be great and it's on cnbc yay um so yeah double header hungarian grand prix and IndyCar at mid ohio this weekend so one maybe two episodes depends on what happens in both races we'll figure it out next week but in the meantime i've been andre harrison I'm gonna check myself into counselling. They've been Ryan King and RJ O'Connell. I'm about to drink another glass of cider. May the good lord help us all. Thanks for listening and Sayonara.
0: Later, y'all! Bye!
1: Back mate. up for the You are the World
2: Champion!
1: And finally this week, James Hinchcliffe put a rig on it, ladies and gentlemen. Yay! Yay.
0: It was the... It was, man, this weekend has been crazy. <laughs> it, it, it was certainly insanity. I don't know who was engineered. Nobody planned this shit. <laughs> well, that's what happens, King, when life moves at the speed of
2: Formula
1: 1. <laughs> oh my god. And, 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 and you know what? I think Becky Dalton, Tinch's Be- uh, new fiance, summed it up better than I can. I've just been served with a life sentence.
0: <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> Good luck.